Amen. Thank you. It's a great privilege to be here again. And, um, you know, you just never really know where God is going to lead you on the journey. And, um, and I'm sure every one of us today didn't think that um, we'd all be meeting together again. Um, and obviously, several of you were in the meeting uh, last time I was in this area. And, um, you know, it's amazing what God has done and what God is going to do. And, um, you know, I want to share with you today, just from the Word of God, really, something that's been close on my heart and something over this last kind of season or last year um, that has really struck a chord in my heart and something that I've had to, in many ways, kind of stand on and trust in and rely on. And it's a privilege to uh, be here and, and serve uh, under, uh, you know, Apostle George and what God is doing um, at um, higher ground and obviously in this area as well and you know it's great to meet uh, Greg and the First Lady of the House Lydia as well and um, I know last time I was here it was a huge thing um, and I, I understand it is always a huge thing for a pastor to um, or apostle to allow somebody else to come into the pulpit especially when you're a shepherd that guards the pulpit and wants to protect the people correctly and um, you want to make sure that the Word of God is brought in the right way <clears throat> and uh, definitely bring in uh, an, an Irishman, uh, an evangelist, uh, that's got a kind of a little bit of, uh, you know, big mouth, big ears, big nose, uh, freckles and ginger air from the other side of the pond um, to minister when you don't really know them and you don't know much about them. And because um, and evangelists over the years, unfortunately, um, for decades has had a bit of a bad reputation. I don't know about America, but in England especially, um, they've always been a little bit prideful and arrogant. I just come in and they would come in and not work with their local church. They would come in to kind of cause havoc in the local church. And um, most evangelists would come in for one hour and the church would have to resolve the issues for six years um, <laughs> because they've not worked together correctly and they've not aligned up to the fivefold or to the understanding of the spirit of the heart or submitted to the leadership of the heart. And what I believe wholeheartedly is that you know when you're part of the kingdom of God and part of the fivefold and part of the ministry then the Holy Spirit allows us to be subject um, to the authority of the house and so like today you know I come to serve um, but I step under the authority of, of Greg today under the authority of the house and and minister under that authority that's here which obviously is subject to the authority um, of the apostle but ultimately we're under the subject to the authority of Christ and um, I believe in order for us to grow and develop and multiply um, correctly in our churches, in our ministries, in our marriages, um, in our general day-to-day -day life, then we've got to walk as the example of Jesus. And Jesus is an example that was brought to us. He said that he only did what he, he saw his father do. He only said what his father said. And he was led ultimately under that aspect of true authority. And, um, and so I want to just come to you today and let you realize that you know, I believe today it's part of the family of God. And I feel part of the family. It's great to be back. And, and apparently this last time was September 2016. Is that right? And, um, you know, I don't mark, I don't really think about that stuff. I just, you know, we communicated and mentioned. I said, you know, I'm going to be in the, if you'd like me to come and minister. And here we are, you know, a, a, a year or so later. And, um, you know, it's, it's amazing because even my life and our family's life on that journey, since last time I was here, God has really realigned and, and changed that as well. Our geographical location has changed. Um, and the ministry dynamics and the church dynamics have changed. Uh, we've ended up going into a different kind of area, different building. And, um, but God has really been realigning and stirring different things along those journeys as well. And uh, so it's a great privilege to be here and to see what God is doing. Because I know last time that I came, we shared the word. Uh, but I know there was a bit of a crossroads last time with the church. And um, I've got to say, it's, it's encouraging uh, to see that the seed and the destiny and the assignments that God had for, for this region um, are still here. And it's great to see that how God has realigned and, and brought, you know, kind of um, the pastors of the house and Greg and Lydia and stuff to, to come and be uh, located in this area. And several others of you that have come together um, and joined together. It's, it's a God thing. Amen. It's got to be a God thing. You know what I mean? For an Irishman to be stood here in the mid middle of, uh, you know, uh, kind of this region, this area, it's got to be a God thing. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of the, the names are very similar to England, really. We've got Leicester in it, you know, got a, a, a Leicester in England. We have Durham. You know, we have a New Hampshire, uh, Hampshire as well, and Gloucester. And, you know, we have Rochester. We have everything. All these names that are all in this area. So it's just like coming home, even the snow. You know, when I landed, 
I landed yesterday in Boston and I've been in, I, I was in Atlanta for a few days over the weekend and then I was in Florida, landed in Florida, I said to my friend I need some shorts because it was so sticky <laughs> and then I come here and I'm like, my wife says I need a hat, I need some gloves, I need some, I need some thermals, you know. I've had like three different seasons in three different areas of America already, goodness me, you know. And um, even England's not that bad. But, um, you know, here it is. This is very, very much like England, though. The, 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 um, the terrain, um, the kind of weather is very much like England. And um, so I really do feel at home. And it's a privilege and an honor to be here with you. And I want to really encourage you. Um, there might be some kind of words of knowledge and prophetic words that, as we go along that is released over individuals. I just want to be open to God to that. But I want to release a word to you um, that I'm also going to release um, Possibly, I think, more tomorrow morning um, up at the main campus there at Higher Ground. Um, but I want to release this word to you. I believe it's a significant word. And if any of you can come up this evening, we're going to be ministering this evening as well. 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock this evening at Higher Ground. I'm probably going to be ministering more from Hosea 14 uh, about a man and a woman crying out on behalf of a nation and how God does answer us and how God is going to call the backsliders back in. And how if we remain and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, uh, things will grow and develop. So that's a bit of a taster for you tonight. If you've got a bit of free time, love to see you up there. And I know it's a bit of a drive, but it would be worth the investment. And I'm not just saying from me, but from what God wants to deposit uh, into your lives. But this morning we're talking about God being a fit God. Everybody say fit. So that means F-I-T. I'm talking about a God being a fit God. Now, I don't mean that he needs to go to the gym. You know, I'm not trying to say that all of a sudden you guys are failing. You need to get to the gym. You know, you need to be working out. You need to get on the treadmill. You need to lift some weights. You know, you become lazy, too much coffee, too many donuts, you know. And, um, you know, but I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but we do serve a fit God. We serve a God who is a fit God. And you might say to me, what do you mean by a fit God? You know, if you, you know, he's not ripped. It's not Superman, you know what I mean? He's not um, Paw Patrol, I don't know what you guys are into, you know, kind of as far as children-wise, but, you know, there's myself, my wife, we have five children. Our oldest child is 15, Lydia. Then we have Nathan, who's 13. Then we have Megan, who's 11. Then we have Gabriel, who was born Christmas Day 2014, so Christmas Day baby. So we called him Gabriel instead of Jesus, uh, just in case, you know, so we don't put too much pressure on him. And also, so some people don't try to crucify him. Um, and hopefully he's going to turn out to be an angel as well. So um, you never know. And then we have our fifth, and, and oh, maybe the last one, I'm not sure, but we have Noah. And so Noah was born um, on the 18th of December all right, really? Yeah, look at that, eh? 18th of December, so he's going to be two uh, in a few weeks' time. And so, you know, those of you that plant church, I'm sure Pastor George can relate to this, um, it can be difficult to grow church. So we decided to breed church um, uh, instead of trying to plant a church. So that's a private joke. Don't relay that to my wife because the AK-47 will come out and she will blow me away and um, she doesn't agree with that one. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, I've been part of uh, house churches from being a baby and I was raised in house churches. We planted, I've been involved in planting three churches over the years and um, actively involved in two of those really significantly and one of those was one that we started in our house on the 13th of September 2013 and basically we didn't advertise anything. My wife just said she wanted to uh, learn the word of God and so we opened up the book of Acts and um, line by line, verse by verse, I think we did it for about two and a half years on every, every Wednesday night. And so the first time we opened the church, there was myself, uh, my wife, and then there was the three children then, and then there was another guy who was working with us, Vincent, and 26 people rocked up the first week and uh, because people were hungry and it kind of grew and developed from that so you know praise God that you know I believe that this is really the axe smooth and the axe church um, it meets together it breaks bread together and that just just means physical bread but it means the word of God and fellowshipping together hanging out together doing real life together because I many of you know that God wants a church not a congregation God wants a church not a congregation and unfortunately today what we've allowed, lined ourselves up with is congregations and not churches. We have auditoriums full of people. We have some mass auditoriums around our nations full of thousands of people. And it looks good. And they're on televisions and the, they've got the smoke machines and the flashing lights. And they've got the worship and, you know, they've got the hill songs and the low songs. They've got every song they can have going. Uh, they've got the skinny jeans. They've got the, you know, nice hairstyles. And, and they've, they've got to have a minister between 25 and 35. And got to make sure they're not overweight. They've got to make sure they're charismatic 
charismatic, got to make sure they're gifted and talented, but there's no character. And, uh, and I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not kind of belittling the Church of Christ. I'm not trying to be critical. But what I'm saying is that there's something authentic about the Church of Christ coming together as the body of Christ, whether it's in a cafe, whether it's in a restaurant, whether it's in a church with a steeple, and there's a handful of people, whether it's in somebody's living room. I want you to know that the heartbeat of God is that he wants a church and he wants a bride. And um, he wants us to come together as the born-again, spirit-filled Church of Jesus Christ that will work together hand in hand. And we serve a fit God. We serve a God who is a faithful God. And I want to encourage you that, um, you know, many times over the years that we have found in many ways that people around us have not been faithful to us. We found in our, in our walk with God, we found in our general walk, we found in education, we found just in our relationships with our husbands and our wives and our children, we found in our workplaces that all of a sudden we found that people around us have not been faithful. People around us have not stuck to their word. People around us uh, have been in areas maybe even unlawful. There's been areas where people have, have stolen from us, there's been people that have cheated on us, there's been people that have stabbed us in the back, there's been people that have uh, abused us, there's been people uh, that have not wanted anything to do with us, people have misunderstood us and uh, we need to realise that we serve a God who is a fit God and um, the God that we serve is a God that intercedes, a God that is always there on our behalf, a God who will never leave us, never forsake us, we serve a God who is Emmanuel, God with us and you know it's not just Emmanuel uh, at Christmas time, I mean I'm coming up to Christmas and we talk about Emmanuel and Noel and the rest of the year you don't really hear much about it. But we serve a God who is Emmanuel, God with us, in every present help, in every time of need. And um, we need to realise that he is faithful, not faithless. Uh, we need to realise that he is a faithful God that stands with us. And, and really faithful uh, means that um, he is one that through thick and thin accepts us despite of the situation. And, um, and to be faithful, like in a marriage, that when you've been married over a number of years, uh, faithfulness is based upon acceptance, not necessarily agreement. And, um, you know, even like with unity, you know, unity is on acceptance, not agreement. Because, you know, God does not always agree with Denver Thompson. <laughs> but he accepts me. You know what I'm saying? And so there's times when I think I'm doing everything correct and I'm as faithful as can be and I'm loving my family, I'm loving my wife, loving my children, everything is unkidori. But still there is something in Denver that's either pride or arrogance or unforgiveness or jealousy. There's something in me that he doesn't necessarily agree with, but he still chooses to accept me in the beloved. And so we serve a God who is faithful. And I want to encourage you uh, here at the church that, that um, you know, each one of us individually need to realize that we serve a faithful God. Even when hell is breaking loose against us, even when people disown us, even pe when people reject us, even when we think that everything is against us, uh, when we think that people um, don't understand us, when we think that we've been buried... Many times we think we're at the backside of the desert. Many times we think that um, God has forgotten about us. Uh, many of us have received words. Many of us have received prophetic words. Uh, many of us have received words of wisdom. Uh, maybe some of us have received words of direction, that God has called us into a certain direction. Um, we've received seeds from Him. We've received um, affirmation from Him. At times, there's been areas where we have chosen to walk in disobedience. There's words that we've received that have been prophetic words that have been given to us that we've put on the shelf. Uh, some of us have allowed those words to, to, to kind of um, grow and allow dust to come on them. We've allowed cobwebs. Uh, some of us have actually said to God, um, this word will never come to pass. I don't know why you ever give it to me. Uh, some of us have become um, upset. Some of us have become wounded. Uh, some of us at times, because of the words, we chose to run instead of walk. Um, some of us, because the, the words have been spoken over us, we become arrogant or ignorant or maybe we've... Um, had people that have disowned us, maybe in leadership people have aborted or tried to abort the words that God has given to us. Um, the enemy, I'm sure, and I, and I believe this uh, to be so true, that what God has wanted to birth, the enemy has wanted to kill. And the, the womb that God has given to us, the enemy wants to turn into a tomb. Uh, the womb that God has given to us, that every one of us are birthing something, the enemy wants it to be a tomb. In other words, the enemy wants to kill our dreams and our goals and our, our, our ambition and our desire, our destiny and our purpose. He wants to kill that so that we would not be effective in the vision that he's called us to. And that is the same as a, as a church and as a ministry. You know, obviously several months ago, a year or so, the enemy wanted to abort and kill what God was wanting to birth here in this area. 
and you see the enemy he is a killer and a destroyer of our relationships but we need to realize that we serve a God who is not a God that is unfaithful he's not a covenant breaker he's a covenant maker and he fulfills his promises the Bible says he is Alpha and Omega he is the beginning and the end by him and through him all things have come into being and we need to realize that we serve a God who is a faithful God and um, you know we serve a God who has our best interests at heart you know there's something like 66 books of the Bible and they are 66 promises inside that there is many more promises I mean but the Bible also says that the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus so I've come to encourage you today church that I believe that we serve a God who is a faithful God and the seeds that have been sown in this area in your lives whether it's over six weeks ago six months ago whether it was you know six years ago whether it's 26 years ago whatever seeds have been sown by God into your life because he is faithful they will come to pass I want to encourage you of that that we serve a very faithful God we also serve a God who is not a liar and we serve a God who cannot lie and I want to encourage you that seeds and words that have been spoken over your lives man might lie to you man might deceive you man might trick you they might disown you man might at times abuse you man at times might try to destroy and discourage and create despondency on you man might get jealous uh, they might get envious of you. They might be in a place of unforgiveness. Uh, they might be in a place of hatred and they might want to hurt you. They might want to cause distress and destruction to you. But we serve a God who will not do that. Our God that we serve is an authentic God. The enemy is not authentic. And uh, we serve a God who is the real deal. You know, the enemy is a copycat of the real deal. And um, he is true to us. And so I want to just read this scripture to us because I believe... But we need to realize that God is a God of covenant and is a God of promise. And that in order for us to go through life and, and realize that, there, listen, there are bumps in the road. There are cul-de-sacs we can find ourselves in. There are balls that come out of left field that we didn't even realize was coming. There is distress. There is worry and anxiety at times that can come because we're in the world. We're not to be of the world. We are spiritual beings, but we have the flesh that we carry around. And so the enemy is a liar, he is a thief and he is a robber. And so at times things come at us to try and cause discouragement, to try and cause despondency. And so there can all manner of things can be thrown against us. But if we can choose to build our life on the covenant that God has given to us, if we can choose to build our life on the promises that he has spoken to us, then come hell or I water, no matter where we find ourselves, we can hang on and we can cling on to the promise of his covenants and the promise of his word that is given to us. But unfortunately, many of us, many of our churches and many of people that we relate to, Many churches are, are so based upon the vision or the mission of the house or they're so based upon their own gift and their own talent that they don't have a foundation of the covenant of promises that he has given to us. And we need to realize that the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a Bible of covenant. It is a, it is a book of promises. And you can take this word to the bank and it will produce a harvest. And so here in Numbers 23 and verse 19, I believe this is a fundamental scripture that we should use. I believe we can build our churches, our ministries, our houses. I believe our finances can come true on this. I believe our marriages can flourish on this. And I believe this is a fundamental aspect of our walk with God. And this is where covenant and promises come to pass. So Numbers 23 and verse 19. In my Bible, it's page 144. Just right before 145. I don't know where you are on that journey. The American um, Bible is page 183. The American Bible, yeah. Well, you know, this is a thing. That's right. You know, mine is the uh, New King James. And uh, so Numbers 23 and verse 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. Now, I want to encourage you tonight that we, today we serve a faithful God. And it's interesting. Here, listen to this. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. So here's the deal, guys. God will never lie to you. God has never lied to you. Man might lie to you. An evangelist might lie. The pastor might lie to you. The, the janitor might lie to you. The teacher 
might lie to you. Your husband, your, your son, your daughter, your wife. Friends might lie to you. Your employer, your manager might lie to you. The devil certainly will lie to you. But I want to encourage you that words that have been spoken of your lies, brothers and sisters, if they've been spoken from God and they've been true, and God has revealed them to you, then God is not a liar. And those words will come to pass, even when you've doubted them. Even when people have spoken all manner of evil against you. Even when you've gone from one church to the next church. Even when you feel like you've been disowned, you've been forgotten. Even when you feel like God is a million miles away from you. I want to encourage you that every single word is spoken to you will come to pass. Listen, don't ask me why, don't ask me how. But I can encourage you that we serve a God who does not lie. Now notice this. If God was to lie for one millisecond, salvation would cease to exist. In fact, the whole world would cease to exist. If, if God was to lie for one millisecond, healing would cease to exist. In fact, the, we think the world's in a mess right now, right? Goodness me. If God was to lie or have any area of injustice, the whole world would fall apart, literally. And you said to me, why? Well, in Hebrews um, 11 and 3, it says, what did it say? It says, by, by the word of God, he framed the whole world. The galaxies are framed by the word of God. In fact, let's just take a quick look at that one, right? Just so you know the scripture. Uh, in Hebrews. And just to confirm that God cannot lie and God will not lie. And everything that is promised to us will come to pass. Hebrews 11 and verse 3. So Hebrews 11 and verse 3. Realizing that we serve a God who cannot lie. And if God was to lie for one millisecond, then the promises of everything in the world, even the aspect of creation... Everything would fall apart. No healing, no salvation, no deliverance, no need to have a God, basically, because everything would just fall apart. But here is what it says in Hebrews 11 and verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Listen, it's not cosmos glue that has framed the world. The scientists will tell you that it's cosmos glue. They'll tell you that the Big Bang theory, that God didn't create the atmosphere if it was a Big Bang. Well, okay, if it's a Big Bang, what created the Big Bang? And so there's got to be something that has created the heavens and the earth. And so here he says, but by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. And so we need to realize that the word of God has framed the world, the galaxies. And I want to encourage you with this as well, that the word of God has framed your world. That you have been framed by the word of God. Now we can choose what words to believe because not only are the words of God framing our world, but the words of individuals can frame our world as well. What the doctor says, what the bank manager says, what the, the friend says about us, what, what a certain colleague says about the situation, even what other Christians say about us, can cause our worlds to be framed by certain words. But we need to realize that we serve a God who cannot lie. And Titus 1 and verse 2 says this as well, that we serve a God who cannot lie and who will not lie and he has promised us eternal life in Christ Jesus. So number one, the covenant is that we serve a God who cannot lie. And number two, the promise is that he has given us eternal life in Christ Jesus. So if he was to lie, then we would have no promise of eternal life. But because we serve a God who cannot lie, which is a covenant, and then we serve a God who has promised us eternal life in Christ Jesus. Notice what else it says in there. Nor is he the son of man that he should repent. So notice this. Nor is God the son of man that he should repent. So God who came in flesh. The Bible says that God sent his son Jesus. And it said he came in what? The flesh. He came, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, so a quick question for you. It's not a trick question. Uh, the virgin birth. Why do we have the virgin birth? What is the virgin birth about? We're coming up to Christmas. It's not a trick question. What is the virgin birth? Why do we have the virgin birth? What is that about? A new bloodline. A new bloodline? Second Adam. Second Adam. One without sin, that's right. And so we understand, don't we, that obviously Jesus was born of a virgin birth. 
And the reason he had to be born of a virgin birth was because if he'd have been born of the seed of Joseph, he'd have been born into corruptible seed. He'd have been born into sin. And we know obviously all the way back to Adam and Eve, we know that Adam and Eve were created and designed and birthed and, and, and redesigned by God not to sin. The moment they took of the tree and they ate, and the Bible says that they were disobedient, they were placed outside of the garden. And all the way through the generations, the plan was for redemption. We read in Isaiah, you know, unto us a son is born, unto us a, a, chi unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He is the wonderful, the counsel, the, the mighty God, the everlasting Father the Prince of Peace and all of a sudden we find that that is a declaration a prophetic decree and declaration through Isaiah that there's going to be a saviour there's going to be a governing power who's going to come who's going to redeem us of all sin but if he had been born of the seed of Joseph he'd have been born into sin if he'd have been born of the seed of Joseph he'd have been born into corruptible sin but because he was born of the seed of David he was not born of corruptible sin but incorruptible uh, seed sorry and so he was born into an area of purity and so he struck and he, he caused the line of sin to stop and he brought, brought, brought pure redemption and so Jesus does not have to repent God does not have to repent and so that's what he's explaining here God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should have to repent so you can take that to the bank. This is a covenant. These are covenants. These are fundamental truths and covenants that the prophetic words that have been spoken over you will come to pass. The words that have been dormant, the words that are stagnant, that need cultivating in our lives, even the words here over, over this region, this area, and this town, we need to realise that words that have been decreed and prophesied and declared over the last few years, even over years passed by, we need to realise that they're in the ground. And that need to be cultivated, they need to be believed, they need to be encouraged, they need to be spoken over. And so he says, has he said and will he not do? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? We serve a faithful God. We serve a God who is saying, listen, I have spoken words to you and I will produce it. I will do it. I'm not a liar. I don't need to repent. I'm not sinful. I'm in an area where I'm sinless, I am pure, I am holy, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And everything that I've spoken over you as a church and individuals will come to pass. So number one, everybody say we serve a faithful. Say faithful. faithful. Come on, you can do better than that. Say faithful. faithful. Come on, say faithful. Faithful. So we serve a faithful God. Number two, we serve a God who is an integral God. Remember we talk about a fit God. So number one is faithful. Number two is integral. Now that doesn't mean integrity. Integral and integrity are two different words. To be integral means wholesome. Means he is a man of wholesomeness. He is a, he's a man of integral word. In other words, when he says it, the words that he means are going to come to pass. To walk in integrity means that if I say I'm going to be here at 10 o'clock, I'm here at 10 o'clock. I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of character. You know, you can actually, when I say I'm going to meet you at, at 5.30 tonight, I'm going to be there. That you can hang everything that I say on the words that I say. And so here he's talking about being a wholesome God. Nothing missing, nothing broken. It's not just a slice of the pie. It's not just a certain gimmick, but it means that he is a whole person. In other words, he has character. His character is wholesome. And so it's interesting because if you read um, about him being integral, it means that he's integral to his word. And so what is one of the things that we can use when he's being integral to his word? Well, um, let, let's talk about uh, Numbers, uh, sorry, Psalm 119 verse 89. Because we need to realize that in order for God to be integral, we need to realize that his word is integral. We need to realize that he and every word that is spoken is integral. We need to realize that the word of God, this Bible, uh, whatever the translation of this Bible is, it is integral. And is integral to his word. And so it says here in Psalm 119 verse 89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Now, man's word can fall to the ground. Man's word can deceive you. But this is the word of God, and he's saying, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled. This is God's final authority. You cannot add to this book. You cannot take away from this book. God's word is eternally secure. We need to realize that this is not a novel. This is not just a good idea. This is not a newspaper. This is not just a story. This is not a book of fiction. 
This is a book of facts. You can take this book to the bank. You can build your life on this book. I want to encourage you that we serve a God who is an integral God. He is integral to his word. This is the inspired word of God. This is God breathed. This is the integrity of who he is. This is the integral part of who God is. This is the character of who God is. Somebody prayed, I think this morning, spoke about the integrity of God being shown to us. Well, this is who God is. This is his character. This is his divine nature. This is his integrity. This is character. You can go to this and find out everything about it. The Bible says that he is Jehovah Rapha. The Bible says that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides for us. He is El Shaddai, who alone is Adonai. There's all manner of aspects of who God is in the Bible. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. You can take it. You can grab a hold of this. He is the way maker. He is the God of the breakthrough, God of the breaking, God of the breakout. And every word that he has spoken over you, because he's integral, will come to pass. As a church, the, the vision and the mission and the, the, the declarations have been decreed and declared over this region, over this town, will come to pass. Why? Because God is integral. The words spoken over your lives will come to pass. Why? Because God is integral. Even those of you that have been crushed through religion, crushed through other leaders, those of you that have been pushed down, those of you that have been told you never amount to anything, some of you have even had microphones taken off you because they've said that the words you've been speaking are not anointed. You're not cold enough. You're not trained enough. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. Well, I've got news for you that my God and your God is an integral God. And when he said that you're going to amount to things, when he said that you're going to be a missionary, when he's called you to be a pastor or a leader, when he's called you to be an evangelist, when he's called you to, 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 to be a, a woman of intercession, I've got news for you. He never takes those gifts and those talents and those words from you. He is not a God who is going to steal from you. God is not a pickpocket. The enemy is a pickpocket. You know what a pickpocket is, right? They come and try and take your wallet and your phone when you're, when you're a tourist or a visitor somewhere. You're walking down the high street. They're trying to pickpocket you. God is not a pickpocket. God is not teasing us, brothers and sisters. God is not a liar. You can take this to the bank that he is an integral man. He's an integral God. He's trustworthy. He is a man who is worthy of trust. And so the next word is trust. Worthy. Everybody say trustworthy. trustworthy. Everybody say trustworthy. trustworthy. So number one, we have faithful. Everybody say faithful. faithful. Number two, we have integral. Everybody say integral. And number three, we have trustworthy. Trustworthy. Isn't that amazing that we serve a God who is a fit God, spiritually, mentally and physically, that he's faithful, that he's integral and that he is trustworthy. And trustworthy means that he's worthy of trust. How many people can we say that about in church? Ouch. How many people can we say that about in our relationships? How many people can we say that about in our governments and our councils and our schools and our police forces? And our doctors. How many people can we really honestly hold and say, well, I hold them in high esteem because they are trustworthy. How many leaders today can you say are trustworthy in our governments? Even in our day-to-day -day walk with God, there's issues. But yet we can serve a God who is a trustworthy God. Let's look at um, Isaiah 55. We serve a God who is faithful, who is integral. Isaiah 55, again, a, a declaration of decree. It's a prophetic word. But here, listen to this in verse 11. I'm sure you could all have quoted this off by art. We hear a lot of these scriptures in churches, but we don't have a fundamental foundation of belief. You know, Proverbs is very key to us. It says, with instructions, the house is built. But with knowledge, the house is filled. With instructions, the house is built. You can go to Ikea and you get a level of instructions of how to build some kind of, uh, you know, whatever it is you buy. Whether it's a bed, whether, you know, whether it's a wardrobe, you know, whatever it is that you buy, you get instructions. 
And if you're anything like me, he was a bit of an Irishman who thinks, well, actually, I can put it together anyway because I know what to do. You know what I'm saying? And then you get to the last piece, and you've got to put the last inch on, and you find out that you've got to start right at the beginning because you didn't do step A, B, C, D, or E. You know what I mean? Because you've run right before it, if you're anything like me. And you find out your wife says, I told you right at the beginning, you should have used the instructions. Where's the instructions? I put them in the bin. Exactly. So the doubt, you know, your wife goes, and she gets them out, and she says, you should follow the instructions. And it's a bit like the Bible says, always obey the last command. What did the Israelites do? They became a stiff-necked people. In Exodus 32 and 33, when Moses goes up the mountain to seek God and have time with God and fellowship with God, and he downloads the Ten Commandments to him, all of a sudden he comes down the mountain and he sees Aaron, he sees all the people you know, jumping and dancing around, a fatted calf, he sees incest and all manner of sexual sins going on. And he sees them dancing around this, this calf that they've melted all the, all the gold down. And he smashes them, doesn't he? Because of what? They were serving the flesh. They were serving themselves. They didn't read, didn't obey the last commandment. They were too busy trying to uh, uh, please themselves. And yet they had everything they needed. They, they, they had the, the, the cloud by day. They had a pillar of fire by night. They had man. They had everything. They were, not, they were not ill. They were not sick. They had every bit of food they needed. And they, they had, there was no disobedience. Till the moment they got settled in their ways. They settled for second best. And that's what we do as individuals. We don't think we need to read the instructions anymore. We don't need to obey the word of God anymore. Oh, I know the Bible. I know the teachings. Oh, I'm a good Christian. I've been faithful to God for 30 years. And I, I know the Bible inside out. And I've attended church every Sunday morning at half 10. I put my 10% in. And I come to the prayer meeting. And I do, I do my Jews. I'm self-righteous. Woe is me. Because the Bible says we've got to obey the last commandment. And many times the reason why we are not seeing God move in our communities, we're not seeing God move in our governments and our councils, we're not seeing the real breakthrough in our lives, in our marriages, in our business, in our finances, in the journey of life that we're on, in our communities, in our towns. Many times we're not seeing our intercession breakthrough. Many times we're not seeing the atmospheres open. Many times we're not seeing the actual understanding of God's call and destiny and assignments on our lives is because we're not in obedient to the last word that is spoken over us and many of us want another word we're so busy wanting empty hands on empty heads we want to get out to the pastor and the prophet and the evangelist and the teacher we want to get out and line up again to get another word of knowledge another word of wisdom when God is saying what did you do with the one I give you back in 1982 what about the word I give you back in 1999? What about the word I give you back in, you know, 2001? Why have you got another 10 words when what have you done with the last one? You've been obedient. You've been disobedient. Whereas if you would choose to walk in obedience, then I will be faithful to you. I will be integral to the word I've spoken over you. I will be trustworthy to the word I've spoken over you. But many times, we, 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 it's almost like we want McDonald's drive-thru, we want Starbucks drive-thru, we want a KFC drive-thru, we wanted everything yesterday, when, when really what God is saying is He wants us to walk in obedience. God is not a genie. It's not like you rub the Bible, you know, certain times a year when you've got a difficulty or you need some more finances or your illness or there's indifference in your life and your marriage is struggling. Well, I might just rub the Bible and see if I get a word. That's not what God's about. God is a God of relationship. And so here in Isaiah 55 and verse 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. Everybody say void. void. This is a promise from God, brothers and sisters. Somebody prayed this, this morning. And it said, what did it say? It says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my, my mouth. It shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish. Everybody say accomplish. accomplish. Accomplish means, what does it mean? To be accomplished, what does it mean? It means that there's going to be fullness. It means that what you're started, you're going to finish. It means there is completeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. It means that what is said, he will do. He's going to complete it. You know, there's a scripture, it says that he who began a good work in you, in Philippians, is it 3 and verse 4? He who began a good work in you is faithful and just to complete it. Right. He might not do it overnight. It might not take six years. It might take 66 years. Right. Goodness me. If you're, if you're anything like me, a, a, a stubborn Irishman, unlearned, goodness me, it might take me longer than most. My wife picked it up quite quick. <laughs> Back to the instructions. Always obey the last command. My wife said if you'd done A, B, C and D, then when you got to Z, it wouldn't have been a mess. You know what I'm saying? 
She says, I'm sure you've read the instructions. I'm like, I read the instructions, darling. It's the manufacturers that have put it together wrong. They haven't made it correct. The screws are missing. She's like, no, you've put the screws in the wrong place. I'm like, no, they've made them wrong. I was like, you know, it's always somebody else's fault. Have you noticed that? Adam always blamed Eve, and it's been blaming the woman ever since. It's sad, isn't it? The man needs to go backbone and take responsibility. And so here he's saying, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void. Now here's the thing. The word of God is truth. The word of God is his final authority. Now there are different translations of the truth. And so we have what? We have the New King James, we have the Old King James, you've got the Passion Translation of the Bible, you have the Message Translation, uh, you've got the NIV, the Northern Ireland Version, okay? Um, but we have different translations of the Bible. But here's the thing, there is one truth. People tell me the Word of God is evolving. No, the Word of God is not evolving. The world around us is evolving. It's changing. Cultures are shifting. Times are shifting. Seasons are changing. But the Word of God, the fundamental Word of God, does not change. In fact, we serve a God who, who doesn't change. The Bible says He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is unchanging, but forever changing things. So we serve a God who does not change. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. But because he doesn't change, he can change things. So circumstances, situations around us can change because we serve a God who cannot and does not change. So every aspect of his word does not change, but it changes things around it. Are you with me? And so it's like this. It's like if I'm driving down the highway and, and Greg is in a car behind us and uh, uh, an apostle uh, George is in another car. And all of a sudden we're driving down the highway and we see an accident and it's been pouring with rain. And the police officer comes and he pulls us three over and he says to Greg, he says, right then Greg, okay, you know, what, what, what happened? What did you see? You know, what, what, give, me a, give me your testimony of what you saw. So Greg says, well, I just think he was driving too fast. It's raining. You know, he was, it seemed to me he was doing well over the speed limit. And um, it seemed like his wife was in the car and he was having some kind of argument with his wife. And he got distracted and he didn't stop at the stoplight and he went back into the back of the car and caused the accident. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the officer says to, to Apostle John, he said, okay, well, what's your interpretation, sir? And, um, and John says, I just think he was driving too slow. It was obviously the, 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 the rain was pouring down. It seemed like the guy was driving too slow. And it looked to me like, you know, his daughter or something was maybe asking for McDonald's or something on the back street. And, and uh, they were having some kind of argument. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, then they asked me. And he's like, well, okay, Mr. Thompson, what is your interpretation of the accident? And I said, well, I don't think he was driving too fast or too slow. I just thought he was on his mobile phone. And it seemed to me he was on his mobile phone and he wasn't concentrating he kept looking down and he was looking over at something else and he never saw the stoplight and he just went straight into the back of the car now here's the thing the fact of the matter is this the truth is there's been an accident but there's been three interpretations of the truth you can't get away from the fact of the accident. You can't get away from the truth of the matter that something has gone wrong. There's been some kind of collision. And that is the same with the word of God. We need to realize that God is faithful, God is integral, God is trustworthy. Why? Because the facts of the matter are the facts of the matter. There might be different interpretations of the truth, but the truth is the truth. And the trouble is when we try to uh, negotiate the truth and we tear out certain parts of the truth because it, it, it doesn't fit our lifestyle, when really our lifestyle should be fitting the truth of the gospel. This word should never ever in any way be fit around our lifestyle, but our lifestyle and our life and our business should always be integral to God's word. God is integral to his own word. And so here he's saying, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper. Everybody say prosper. prosper. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I want to encourage you church here in Gloucester that, that what God is saying to you brothers and sisters is this, that you serve a God who is a faithful God. The words have been spoken over your life. Many of you here have been at different churches in this region, this area. And the relative situation is this. You've been crying out for truth. You've been crying out for relationship. You've been crying out for home. You've been crying out for authenticity. And you've not seen it. Yeah, you've, you've heard maybe good worship. You might have heard good teaching. You might have been in a church that has got smoke machines and flashing lights. And maybe it's relevant to today's society, but there has been authenticity missing. 
There has been faithfulness missing from even the leadership. There's been authenticity. There's been integral aspects missing from the words that have been spoken. Even from the words of God that have been spoken, it's been twisted, it's been manipulated, it's been brought across to fit society. And it's not changed society. And many of them are going in, they're like pew fodder, they're going in week in, week out. And they're getting taught words, but actually the people that are serving them have been unfaithful. They've, they've lacked integral aspects of the word and lacked character. And even lacked aspects of being trustworthy. But I want to encourage you today, church, that I believe God is calling us to be a fit church. He's calling you to be an integral church. He's calling you to be a trustworthy church. And the reason that you can be faithful and integral and trustworthy is because God is faithful, integral and trustworthy. And so I want you to release that to you, that you can take it to the bank, the words that have been spoken over you. And I believe, you know, even as a church here and a ministry here, that I believe that God has been setting you up all these years for such a time as this. God has handpicked you for such a time as this. God has called you for such a time as this. And even the trials and the negativity and the situations you've gone through in the past, the enemies tried to abort you. The enemies tried to discourage you. The enemies lied to you. But I want to encourage you that this is your season to flourish and grow. God is calling a remnant. Like I said, God wants a church, not an, an auditorium full of people, not a congregation. He's looking for a church. And I believe this is an authentic church. I believe you're an authentic people. And I believe God has seen the heart cries of men and women over this region, over this nation, over this area, over Gloucester. That God is saying that this is your time to arise and walk in your God divine purpose. You see, John 10.10 10 says this, the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. And yeah, he does come to kill and steal and destroy. He comes against our health. He comes against our mental capacity. He comes against our finances. He comes against relationships. But, you know, here's the thing. Something God really related to me a few years ago. The enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy our destiny, our dreams, our assignments, and our goals, and our vision. And I guarantee that every one of us, if we're honest and we can put our hands up, that no matter what age group we are, that every one of us have had the enemy come against us to kill our dreams, to kill our, our destiny, to kill our purpose, to kill our vision, to kill our relationships, to kill the anointing and the gift and the talent on our life. The enemy has come and caused havoc in your lives. But I've got news for you today, brothers and sisters, that the enemy is going to be thwarted. That the enemy is going to be boomeranged right into the enemy's camp. And I decree and I declare over this auditorium, over every individual person that is gathered here today. I decree that the enemy has no authority. He has no right over your health. He has no right over your mental capacity. He has no right over your dreams and your visions and your goals. He has no right over relationships. He has no right over anything that God has meant for Am. He has no right over the words of God, over the seeds that have been sown over your lives. He has no right over relationships. And we said to the enemy and we decree and we declare today and we said to the enemy so far and no further you have no authority over our finances you have no authority over our relationships enemy you have no authority over this church you have no authority over this region you have no authority over the vision over the mission you have no authority over the mandate of this house enemy lucifer you are a liar you come from the pit of hell you have no authority over our children you have no authority over our health you have no authority over our destiny you have no authority over our purpose we decree and we declare in the name of jesus Christ of Nazareth enemy that you would flee we decree and declare that Lord God you will bring restoration and reconciliation where the enemy has brought distress where the enemy has broken promises where the enemy has tried to to break covenant we decree and we declare today God that you are a God of restoration reconciliation you are a God of the hope you're a God of the future Lord you love this nation you love this region you love this town Lord I pray that you will grace this people with a heart for this community Lord I pray Lord that you Lord your word says that you are married to the backslide slider 
And so today, Lord, we call the backsliders in. We call our, our relatives, we call our sons, we call our daughters, we call our friends from the north, the south, the east and the west of Gloucester. We call them into this house. Lord, your word says that you're married to the backslider. And that is a covenant, again, that's been given to us. And we decree it and we declare it today in the name of Jesus Christ that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done and be established here in Gloucester. Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus Christ as well, Lord, against the wicked and the fiery darts of the enemy that is trying to cause dissension in this church. Lord, over the years, Lord, Lord, we speak to that lying tongue and we say you'll be muted in the name of Jesus Christ. We serve an eviction notice. And we say, enemy so far and no further, we serve an eviction notice that is coming against the vision and the dream and the finances of this house. Lord, I decree and I declare within the next 6 to 12 months that, Lord, there will be a trickle of favour over this house and that somebody would come to them and offer them a facility, Lord, a facility that is in the right location, in a prime location, in a prime place, Lord, that, Lord, it would almost be for, Lord, a, Lord, a pepper mint rent, Lord, just a, a little bit of rent, Lord, even if any rent at all, that somebody would come, Lord, as an old building, that, Lord, is a great facility that maybe once was flourishing with life, maybe once it had a coffee shop, maybe once, Lord, they was, they was able to have kiddies like a little kid zone there and, and children's group and, and maybe in the past Lord they've, they've done certain things that Lord you Lord in this next 6 to 12 months that you'll bring stability to this church that Lord they will be able to go into a bigger premises Lord because the growth of this church will be so numeric Lord that Lord the house could not contain it Lord I pray for a breakout of signs and wonders Lord I pray Lord that, that broken hearted people would come here Lord people that are disillusioned people that are full of religion and pride would come Lord people that have been hurt and wounded Lord that right now they're wandering around in the desert place of this town Lord even people that are authentic that have got ministries of evangelism people that are evangelists people that are prophets people that are teachers people that are musicians Lord that you bring them into this house over this next, next 6 to 12 months Lord that your kingdom would come there will be establishment of your kingdom here Lord we serve an eviction notice to the enemy we say fear no longer lives here. We say phobias and anxiety and worry and stress no longer lives here any longer. We say to, to mental illness, we say to suicide in this town. You have no authority. You have no right. We speak life and not death. Lord, I pray that shalom would be in the home of every person represented here. That the peace of God that passes all understanding would guard their hearts and their minds and their lives. Lord, I come against confusion. Lord, I come against, Lord, the, the, the spirit of confusion that tries to come to certain individuals in this church, Lord. That, Lord, certain individuals that still feel a little bit out of place, they, they maybe feel that, Lord, that they're not quite in, in alignment. That's the enemy, because the enemy wants to dislocate you. And I also just decree and declare into the atmosphere those that have been dislocated from this house. And there's nothing worse than have a dislocated arm or a leg. You can't lift anything up with that arm that's dislocated. It has no, it has no power. It can't be used. It's just, it just hangs there. And, but when the arm becomes located back to the body, it can be used. And I decree and I declare from the north to south, from the east to the west of Gloucester, that God, you would bring them in, Lord. That you would bring those that have been dislocated, those that are isolated. Those that know that they should be in this house, that are running in rebellion, Lord, I pray that you would realign them. Lord, and if not to this house, Lord, that you would realign them to some house, that they would get some form of fellowship in the name of Jesus. We decree it and we declare it. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.